I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. I don't even remember being like there was a Muslim doing stand-up close to me if they weren't even Arab. I felt insulted. I was like, where is my audience? If not me, who? Why can't I do it? This is an empire. Stories of exceptional Arabs around the world and their journey to the top. I'm Dana Balut, and this is El Empire. Our guest today is Hassan Ahmad Dinawi. And if you don't recognize the name, it might be because he's earned many nicknames. The biggest one, though, is Big Hass. Peace, 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 ladies and gentlemen. My name is Big Hass, and welcome to uh, a new uh, episode of For Leadership Pop. This is... Uh, Hass is a regional legend. In 2008, he founded Revolt Magazine, and it was the Arab world's first magazine dedicated to hip-hop culture. Shortly after that, he became a radio host with Lish Hip Hop, a hip-hop radio station based out of Saudi Arabia. And today, he co-hosts a show called Yalla Home. It's Yalla Home. With Anna Schofield and Big Hass. It's on Pulse 95 Radio in the UAE. Haas is still a huge advocate for music, especially hip-hop, and especially from the Middle East and North Africa region. Big Haas. Um, famous, famous in the whole region, and I mean it, the whole region, not just the UAE, the whole region, um, for being an authority on talent, whether that be local, far-reaching Arabic. Honestly, Haas is awesome. He sat down with my co-host Hiba Fisher in Dubai to talk more about his journey. And here it is. I hope you enjoy it. What was uh, growing up for you like? Can you describe your childhood? And, and you grew up in Jeddah. Yeah. So I, I come from, from this background. My dad was a commercial lawyer. Uh, my mom, an amazing writer. We were living in Saudi Arabia, which is considered one of the most conservative countries in the world. And my dad always taught with action more than words. Um, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. And a lot of people ask me why. And my, my father, when I was like about 13, 14 or 15, I think, sat me down and said, do you smoke? And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, if you ever wanted to smoke, make sure you yourself go to the store and buy it. I'm like, what is that approach? That's later on down the line, you know, I realized, uh, like whatever mm. is prohibited is like wanted. So he took that approach to say, I'm cool. It worked with me. It might not work with any other <laughs> person. I don't know. So I never really got into that. So the, the, the way 
the way he was like kind of really educating me about life was really uh, through that. Um, I finished school, went to university. Uh, in the in the first year of university, my father got sick, so I had to quit university as a freshman and start working. Family comes first. I worked three jobs a day. Uh, I used to sell phones. Worked in a fast food place. We used to sell perfumes. You know, just to make a living. Um, my father, who was uh, my best friend, uh, passed away in 2005. Uh, yeah, when when he passed away, God really gave me a source of power somehow, some way. I don't know how I got the, the power to even, because I was the only source of uh, income slash also just being to, to rely on. I mean, at that point when he passed away, my brother and sister, they were a bit younger. And the moment he passed away, I remember we were all together and uh, it was really crazy how all of a sudden like we heard and then got my mom, my brother and sister all together under me, like we're all like on the ground and it felt like we're going to be okay. So you're doing odd jobs wherever you can find them. Is that Facts. accurate? Okay. Yeah. And then 2007, 2008 was a pretty big turning point for you in terms of, is that the first time that you ever heard an Arabic hip hop song? Uh, you know, 2008, actually, a year after I got married. I had a friend of mine, his name is Walid. We call him Wido, Egyptian uh, living in Canada right now. And uh, he used to go back and forth a lot. At one point, he got a mixtape. That mixtape had a lot of uh, a lot of independent artists. I think Narsi was one of the artists. Um, how come I never heard about these artists? How come we never play these artists on the radio? Which led me to kind of just kind of search, like you know, because music independent artists. That night I went and I and YouTube was like what a year and a half old, maybe or something like that. So I was shocked. It, really, that. What did you Google? I mean, what did it, you It was more search? like about independent artists. I got into rappers who, who, who sing in Arabic. Even the terminologies was like, I didn't know, like, you know, so got into the narcissist back then. It's like, what he's doing? Like he had a record and very political. And then Shadi Mansour uh, with, with incredible records about Palestine. Loki, who is this British Iraqi MC activist changed who I am as a person with his lyrics. I'm like, oh my God, like that guy. And then Omar Ofendim with the poetry, this guy translates poetry from Nizar Qabbani from Arabic to English as a bridge. You see all these terminologies. I didn't have that before. I'm like, what is bridge? What are you talking about? That all was instilled in that six, seven hour night. And it kind of sparked the whole, what, what is this on the radio? Why are we listening to this? Why are these guys not on the radio? the subjects that these artists were talking what about, were, what political. Were they, what were they talking about? At that point was very political. Um, and because I'm coming in from Saudi Arabia, there was none of that. There was none of that, the political talk. And so is yes, Arabic hip hop was political. Right now we're really diversified, but very political, social community issues that I never heard anyone sing about that in my, in my generation. And to be hundred percent or not to sugarcoat it, I wasn't into that. Like I was just really being spoon-fed what entertainment is giving to me. So if you want to sum up, yeah, it impacted me. And I say this not in a cheesy way. I, it it changed my mind. I woke up the next day. My wife would testify. Like Hassan before that day, that night is different. He's a different human being. Three, four days later, I launched Revolt Blog. And it's ugly. I would love to see the first post. It's, fam, it's bad. 
it was like a fist, a fist, and it was radio and a speaker and a headphone. Don't let the radio tell you what to listen to. <laughs> yes, Atir. <laughs> you know, it really was that. And I'm typing with anger, capital letters, and like, and I will, uh, 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 did you know that the music industry, because, um, you know, you do research, and, and they only release 2% or 5% of the music that is actually being released there. Did you know that they play the same 10 songs in rotation on radio? Let's change that. We're revolt. It was like that. That was the, that was the communication. The story of revolt as a name is 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 it's a combination of two names: uh, revolution, because I wanted to revolt against the mass media and the mainstream media and what they do, and voltage, mm. because I loved radio and I wanted to do our own radio station one day. Hence, it's read dash volt, and that led me to study hip hop as a culture and still continue to study this incredible culture. Teach us the history of hip hop, please. No, no, I mean, oh my God, I, I'd love, <laughs> like, I'd love, this is actually kind of my dream to be there. And I don't think I'm even um, eligible to talk about that, but I'll talk about what I know and the fact. So hip hop migrated from obviously America and spread in Europe, specifically in France, let's say, right? They have incredible rappers in France. Now, Arabic rap started coming because the brothers and sisters from North Africa started traveling, obviously, to Europe and, of course, France. So people from Tunisia, Morocco, Libya, Algeria started traveling and they started rapping and they started to get to know what hip hop is, started rapping in French. But then they like, why are we rapping in French, man? We have, we have our own lingo. That's how it started, right? And Rai played a big role in North Africa that connected Rai music and hip hop music together. That, that type of music, which was very, very authentic to, to, to obviously the North Africa, connected a lot with rap and hip hop. So that's how obviously Arabic rap started um, from, from there. And then it started migrating to the Levant, um, you know, Bilad al-Sham. And then from there, it started going to the GCC. And then even after that, going to countries like Sudan and Egypt, and then going to the diaspora. You see how just in like a matter of less than a minute, it's so hard to pinpoint. So 2000 and obviously at eight, I did the blog and then I wanted to change that narrative. And I was like, three, four people is not gonna do it, huh? It's like, man, like people need to listen to you, you know? <laughs> So I pitched an... Uh, From your online radio station. Yeah, yeah, you know. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, how are you? Welcome to Revolt Radio. Um, today we got a very, very special artist. Um, they're very upcoming. Um, and they're called K1NK. They're from Malta. Uh, very talented. And uh, we got Brad on the line. Uh, so let's go Let's go to Brad live from Malta right now. Hey, Brad. Hey. How are you? Yeah, all is well, all is well. All is well, all is well. You can hear me fine? Yeah, sounds fine. My oh. connection is good? Yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect. Thursday night, okay, okay. I go on. <laughs> My wife would tune in from the living room <laughs> and I'm in the bedroom. Let's go, everyone. I'll play music and it's just really, uh, yeah, massive. To be honest, it, it was more music than me talking. You know, it was more like a lot of music. I used to play a lot of, and maybe every now and then I'd say, I'd and say how, a couple And how did of you words. find the music? It, it, it was, you know, mainly on 
uh, I think, was it was it Napster back then? Oh, yeah. Napster. Napster, yeah. I think. Used to download a lot of music there. Uh, um, you know, used to play music from the YouTube, whatever song is also played there. Um, sometimes artists would send me a song when I reach out to, I'm playing your song on Saudi Arabia on the wavelength, uh, on, on the internet. He's like, what? Well, okay, take it, whatever. You know, it was really, people didn't really believe. In 2011, two stations opened, new, Shababi, Young, Energetic. Those were really Im- was impacting a lot of the scene. And I hit up one of them, Mix FM. And man, oh man, it was a struggle. It was, hip hop was a struggle just to even get a meeting. They're like, hip hop, Saudi? No, automatically. Hip hop, Saudi? No. Hip hop, Saudi? No. I swear like 15 times. I had to do something. A lot of talks with my wife, a lot of, I'm so down. I need to have that show on the FM. It's happening because it took a period of six months. And at that one point, I think, khalas, you know, and I didn't have any radio background. Any back then, like the radio background that I have is in my room. I don't know how to use the mixer. I didn't know how to use anything. So the evolution of Hassan as a thinker, as what people call now, like obviously entrepreneur business, I was like, I need to approach it differently. This is not working. Like whatever it is, they're not listening. So I was like, okay, I went there and I had like slides uh, of presentations very weirdly done. Again, I'm the least creative person you'll ever meet. Seriously. It was two slides. <laughs> One slide that says, this will get you new audience, people that will n- do not even tune in on the radio. Two, you, the, 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 the word I used was pioneer and visionary. And I attached to that, Amaro Fendim record, uh, Finjan, and that's what I pitched. When they heard the beat, they heard the vibe, they're like... Hmm. I got them a lot of samples, a lot of Arab samples, Um Kulthum, Abdul Halim, with the vibe of hip hop. I told them the name of the show, which is Lesh Hip Hop. And they're like, Lesh. I'm like, Hagul like Lesh. You have to, you have to tune in. I'll tell you why. And I've been doing that for 11 years. You know, the show still continues till now. And I'm so proud of that. Every single week, even though I'm in the UE right now, I send my show every week to the station. That's awesome. Um, that means something, right? Like, so uh, impacted, played music, played Saudi rap, uh, hosted uh, breakers, graffiti artists, rappers, a couple of DJs, um, hosted DJ Cool Herc. But, you know, without further ado, we have the founding father of hip hop, DJ Cool Herc is on the line. We're going to say salute, sir. Thank you. I'm the, I'm the father. No fathers. The father, of course. You're Public the Enemy, LL Cool J, you know, all these. And then Omar Ofendim, Narsi, Shadia Mansour, Loki. I had them on the show. The people who started it all. The first year. Yeah. He's Yasin Al-Salman, who is a narcissist, who is a fan hip-hop, very creative guy, Iraqi Kennedy. My surprise is we have him live from Canada. Yasin Salman, Salam Alaikum. Salam, brother Shana. Habibi, what's your And uh, yeah, man, I, I really just want to say uh, to you, Big Haas, thank Habibi. you for all the support, man, that you've been uh, that you've been doing for Arab hip hop and for making responsible. This was one of your dreams. Yes, it is. It is. Well, and Shaq, thank you, thank you, Shukran, Jazeera, and Omar. But that was very tricky, to be honest, because these guys are very political. How to get them on the radio? So um, Saudi, um, 
not only Saudi, radio generally, you can't play very heavy music in that perspective. Saudi, Zid al Ziada, you know, it's extra. <laughs> A record, Shadia Mansour, is called Al Kufiya Arabiya. <laughs> Kufiya is Arab and will remain Arab. Oh, man. I got to play this on the radio. Um, so back then, because it's hip hop, they used to monitor the songs I play, meaning I have to send my list of songs to the radio for them to see every single lyric, like 12, 13 songs I used to send. And then they send the approval and then we move forward. At that point, when I sent Shadia, they rejected that record. And I knew that was coming. It is Al-Kufi Arabiya. It's a very, very powerful record towards, you know, Palestine, what it does represent. Shadia Mansour is the first lady of Arabic rap. Um, and and she just rocks it. She wears always the Palestinian top. She rocks. She has a cause, which is Palestine. So that record came in as, and talk about Kufiya. What is the symbol that is the Kufiya? Very strong. Very strong. So they banned it on the grounds that it was too political. Exactly. So they removed it. I'm like, okay. I still had the show. When I got that e- email, I was like, hmm, I'm, I want to play that record. So I have the file. What I did is this. I renamed the file to Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Seriously, it was a risk. So I did that. And I sent it. So it, it was like, oh, there's this song I want to add because I want to talk about it. You know, like has nothing with hip hop, but I want to talk about it, right? Like this was the angle. I swear to God, they didn't even listen to it. It got on the system. But the file is Shadi Mansour, bro. Like my show is at 9 p.m. I got on the radio. It's there. I heard it. I'm like, that's the first song I'm playing. Let, let's go. I played that. I swear to God, 30 seconds later after I played like the, the manager storming in, in the radio, like, bah, remove this song right now. Like, I, 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 what, what? I played like 30, uh, 70% of it. And then you, you had to take it down. Mm. I got in trouble. I got in trouble, meaning I think I got like deducted two weeks or something like that. I was off for two weeks, but then... To be honest, if you're asking if it's worth it, my, my heart is jumping right now because of the adrenaline. And it was like, yes, it's definitely worth it. Okay, so uh, so Leish Hip Hop launches in 2011. What is the audience reception in Saudi Arabia for a rap and hip hop radio station? You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Okay. I played my first record. My first record was called Jeddah Love by a group called Jeddah Fam. They were not, they couldn't believe it. No one played this music on the radio. So I finished that record and then there's a screen next to my, so that you see the messages. First message I get, the first message that pops up, the kafir. You're an infidel. I'm like, wow. I had to play two other songs because I really needed a moment. To be honest with you, just revisiting that, I got scared. I got really scared. I was like, no, 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 this is not, they're not ready. Like, it's not, it's not going to be good at all. But then I started thinking about it because I had like two songs. I put like six minutes and I'm like, I'm not doing anything against my culture or religion or country or I'm not doing anything wrong. I saw two ways. Just leave or let's continue. And it's going to be really cool. I have, I prepared the show and I actually, back then I used to write the show because I was nervous. So I came back, came back strong. I was like, I'm, I'm, let's go. 
Just me saying that, it gives me uh, anxiety and also in a way goosebumps because that moment was like, what if I said no? What if I quit? Like, seriously, what if I quit? What would happen to, where will I be? Because I think it would have destroyed me. Seriously, that comment. And I'm like, bam, start talking hip hop as a culture. Where did it start from? What's the element of hip hop? The rhythm and poetry. You see the momentum. And I'm like, it's not only rap, you guys. It's DJs. That's where it started. DJs used to break the record. This is where they launched the record. DJs were imported. Blah, blah, blah. Rap. This is, yeah, MC. You know, what is the MC? Master of Ceremony. An MC, what did they do? Um, breakers. Oh, uh, what they call break dancer, but breakers. What did they do? It's the expression of hip hop through dance. Great. Uh, graffiti. When you see that, it's not, uh, it's not, uh, things that to destroy but acts it's a contrary graffiti is a way it's a beautiful visual way to express knowledge the fifth element of hip-hop that people don't talk about to elevate your mind i went on a roll hip-hop I had this interview with a graffiti group called Dodd, who are really big, and I'm very proud of them. And I interviewed them, and they're incredible. These guys used to sell graffiti cans from their car tank just because it was illegal. Anyway, I did an interview with them. And then there was this kid out in Medina who loves graffiti, but he keeps messaging me and saying, Hassan, and uh, he's like, my father is against me doing graffiti. I'm like, hmm. Can you ask him if he can tune in just for the next two, three weeks? I'm going to focus more on graffiti just talk more about graffiti and hip hop as a culture. And he's like, okay, I'll try. And um, four weeks later, I get a call because this this gent, this boy ha- got my number, I think from the Dodd guys or something like that. Got a call and uh, the call was like, Salam alaikum, big a-. I'm like, oh, no, no, I, um, oh, he big a-. This is different. <laughs> okay. Hassan, Hassan. I remember. He's like, um, I've been listening to your show for the past two weeks. My son is this and that. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Um, and I just want to say that I'm standing right now outside my door and I bought my son a wall and he's going to practice on it because of you. I'm like, when I, when I heard that, I got really emotional. I was like, that's one person I impacted. I remember telling my wife as well. She's like, if you impacted that person, imagine what, because not a lot of people are going to call you and tell you you impacted them. That really was a big validation moment for me. I was like, man, I'm doing something, man. Like, I got to continue. I got to continue. Because to be honest, it got really tough because it's like every week and the listenership was not really booming a lot. And the radio was like, we need to increase the listenership. And it was like, no, no one wants to listen to hip hop. And I'm going against the current. And there's a lot of these things, you know? There was another story as well that, that re- revolutionized me. <laughs> Tell us. That story helped, um, saved me from quitting. I saw someone randomly on Twitter say, Chuck D is coming to the American University of Beirut uh, to give a talk. I'm like, Chuck D is coming to Beirut? What? Why? And at that point, I, I follow Chuck D and he follows me on Twitter. If you don't know Chuck D, like he's one of the most incredible icons in hip hop. Like, you know, fight the power. Public Enemy is incredible. He's... Um, I'm on the phone trying to find a plane ticket just to go. And, uh, you know, Jeddah to Beirut. I'm like, oh my, I'm traveling today. Very excited. 
I land in Beirut. Uh, he's there. And of course, not strange on someone like Chuck D, he's sitting with local rappers and producers, which is something a lot of media from our generation don't do, right? They idealize the West a lot and they idealize the bigger artists. He's sitting on a table in a coffee shop. So I walked in the coffee shop and Chuck D with his deep voice, big hoss, and everyone on the, ra- on the table was like, how the hell does Chuck D know ba- what is going on? Seriously, so that was, I saw the reaction. So we stood, we stood, we embraced. Music liberation for your mind, body, and your soul. Salute. Okay, so what happened is I found out Mr. Chuck D will be in, in Beirut, and I, I took a flight from Jeddah to Beirut to attend this. Of course, it's been an honor. I thank Jackson Adams, I thank the AUB, and most of all, ladies and gentlemen, we have, I have with me the one and only the legendary Chuck D. I had the same glasses, man. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Mr. Chuck D, it's an honor to meet you and to be with you guys. And what uh, I'm about to say saved me. Seriously. Very simple, but saved me. So he's like, we hugged, and and he says this. So on Twitter, just to give a context, on Twitter I used to rant a lot about the show. No one is listening to the show. What is this? This is really terrible. I'm like, I'm fighting the current, all that stuff. Never got any interaction from Chuck D at all, not even a like or whatever. He embraced me heavy. He whispered in my ears, like, I see you. I see the struggle. Keep fighting. I'm like, how? What? Seriously right now? I remember my friend... um, Shout out to Chino out of Lebanon. He's like, the whole time you're not there, bro. Like you're sitting in the table, you're not there. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking about that. I'm sitting next to Chuck D, who acknowledged me and said, keep fighting. This is the guy who said, fight the power. Fight the power that may be in America. He's telling me as a radio host, a, a, a Jadawi, a, a, a soul that's nowhere close to his level of genius and creativity and, and anger and revolt. Telling me, keep fighting. I'm like, oh my God. I, I, I came back a changed man. Yeah. One word you tell the artists out there that are, you know, striving to make it and become like, you know, one word, what would you tell them? Belief. Belief. Ladies and gentlemen, there was the, only, the one and only Chuck D. Thank you very much, Mr. Chuck D. I salute you very much. I salute you. Honored. One love. One word. Now you produce music as hey, well. Executive produce. Executive produce. What's the difference? Executive producer is someone who kind of manages the whole project. Someone who get the rapper A, rapper B, rapper C, producer, get the beat, um, send it to an engineer, mix it and master it. Like you're supervising everything. Tell us about the making and like what goes into making one of these tracks. So like Iraq Cypher or Harab, any, pick one of your... The one that comes to mind first and tell us how it happened. Harib is the first song I released. So it was officially like as an executive producer. I got two rappers out of Saudi Arabia uh, and they both were known in this new school kind of energy and vibe. And I wanted to challenge them. So I got an old school beat by Egyptian producer called Big Mo. I sent it to them. I was like, I'm challenging you. I know you do new school and trappy beats, but this is an old school beat. I'm challenging you as Big Haas. Can you rock on this? They loved it. Um, so the, the, each of them gave me a verse, they sent it through. And then I was like, mm, there's something missing. Elements of hip hop came in, which is scratching. So I hit up my brother, DJ Little Skills, who's Lebanese living in Malaysia right now, one of the legends of Arabic hip hop. One of the very few turntablists that we have. When I say turntablists, you know that scratching sound? He's, in, he's a master at that. Scratches beautifully, you know, on the vinyls. So I sent him the record. He's like, I'm going to do something beautiful with this. Incredible. Just watch. And bam. And he did. He created a, a he created a, somehow of a bridge using the, the scratching. Came up with the incredible, uh, obviously, artwork with Egyptian illustrator Nora Zed. And um, yeah, uh, and we released it. Yeah. 
It's very easy to release things because you go to any of these distribution websites, you have the artwork, you have the music, the song, upload, goes to Spotify, Anami, Apple Music, Deezer, whatever. It goes everywhere. Down the line, because I was consistent as well, I, I made a deal with Empire, one of the biggest distribution companies in the world. They've distributed for Kendrick Lamar and Snoop Dogg and others, and they're an incredible record label as well. Uh, yeah, so now I, I, I release under them. When you look back on your really beautiful and winding journey, if you could tell young Hassan some lessons that you've learned throughout the process, what would you want the younger version of yourself to know, knowing everything that you know now? Mm. What would I tell the younger me? Um, Don't take things too personally. Because I used to take everything personally. I used to take everything. No, they don't want me... I'm not getting validation. Small things used to put me down a lot. And I used to go, you know, back to, to, you know, obviously my wife who pushes me or like a Chuck D situation. There's always situations that boosted me. And I would say don't. And now that I'm, I'm there now, but it's hard. I get it. You're young and, and things like that really either break you or make you sometimes. So there's a, and I'll be extra honest. I really truly think I'm not talented. Like when I say, I don't have a talent. Like you're not sitting here with a producer or a rapper or a a poet or someone who plays the oud. Like seriously. So I know that from within me. Now people see me as passionate. Great. I am passionate about what I do, but I'm more like a voice. So the real talent is the artist I bring together. I feel like I'm at a place where I'm very, people really appreciate and respect my opinion, which is amazing to be. Like I'm a servant of the of the community, of the local and regional, and I say that I mean it. But sometimes as a human, these things get to you, the concept of validation, the concept of, uh, you know, and I always say, don't ask for validation from nobody, even me. Um, I remember one of the rappers in Saudi who's really blowing up right now, his first record was something along the lines of, he had a bar, said like, you guys are all dreaming about getting on Lesh Hip Hop. My dream is bigger than that. I got him because he said that. He didn't want my validation. He didn't, he didn't think that Lish Hip Hop is the best thing I can reach. I want bigger for you, my brother or sister. What, what is bigger for, for you? So what, what's, what's the dream? Where, where would you like to go, inshallah? The festival, an Arab hip hop festival. Producers, graffiti artists, breakers, hip hop culture, but Arabi. Come, I'll show you what do we have as Arabs. <laughs> From Egypt to Sudan to Iraq to Syria to Lebanon to Maghrib, yalla, to the GCC, come on, to the people in the diaspora, focused hip hop, right? Uh, we have a bit of a morbid question that we ask every guest, and it is, um, yeah, any many, 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 many years, inshallah, into the future, uh, what would the one line of your obituary say? Wow. A human being that believed in us, you know, um, 
someone that saw the light when no one did, right? An amazing artist by the name of Odyssey, he's Sudanese-American, incredible guy. He said, uh, Has, there's a lot of nicknames about you. He's like, you're, you're like, people call you the pillar, the big guy, big Haas. He's like, I want to give you a new nickname. I'm like, well, what is it? You know what he said? The lighthouse. But what does the, what does the lighthouse do? It's a beacon to guide you home. Yeah, but that's it. But not a lot of people really know it and care about it too much unless there's a problem. Right? That meant a lot. So maybe that's what it should say, you know, uh, the lighthouse. A special thank you to Hassan Big Haas for speaking with us on this episode. And thank you to everyone who's dedicated to supporting artists from the Middle East and North Africa. This episode was produced by Hajar Daes with support from Ahmed Ashwood and edited by me, Dana Balut. Research and fact-checking by Dina Sabri with sound design by Ahmed Mitri. If you'd like to check out any of the artists that Big Haas referenced in this episode, you're in luck. We've put together a list of them in the show notes. The clip you heard of, Harib by Al-9 and Black Bee featuring DJ Lethal Skills, was used with permission from the executive producer himself, Big Haas. Finally, if you'd like to watch the full uncut video interview with Big Haas, just head to YouTube and search Al Empire and Big Haas. Or follow our socials at Kerning Cultures. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Take care, stay safe, see you soon. <laughs>